All right, good morning. We have a treat today for me personally as I'm not preaching, and for you guys, I'm not preaching. So it's treats for everyone uh, this morning. Yay, freedom. All right. <laughs> um, so what we like to do every once in a while, and uh, it's something I would like us to do more often than we do, is to let someone from our church family actually share something about their life. Some of us call it a testimony. Some of us, if we're more contemporary, call it share our story. Same thing. It's basically just sharing what it is that God has done in our life, um, that which has been impactful and that we would want to share and bestow uh, just how God is the God of new mercies, how God uh, in his hands, nothing is wasted. That's that Romans 8.28 verse that was just referenced, uh, that God has this this thing where he takes good and bad and takes the good and makes it better and takes the bad and makes it good. And he, he's the God of redemption. So I'm going to invite Scott and Monica Wheeler to come on forward. For those of you, as they make their way up, who don't know them, they've been with Anthem here ah, three and a half, four months or so. So they're newbies. They're newbie rookie Anthemers. So we're going to be really nice to them today, right? <laughs> Only a little bit of heckling. <laughs> Only a little bit of heckling. Um, and so they're from Michigan, but they're Michigan, Michigan fans. So they're happy about last night. So Michigan State losing wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've been married 15 years, and they have two, like, beautiful little girls. There's Elliot, Ellie, Elliot, and Katie. Um, and they run around like crazy, and they're fun. So anyway, that's all I got to say about that. And I'm just going to gonna pray for you guys to sh as you're sharing, and I'll get out of the way. Right. Thank you, Lord, Father, so much for this morning, an opportunity, Lord, to hear about your amazing grace and to hear how loving and amazing and wise your hand is in our individual lives, Lord. And I pray for Scott and Monica as they share the story. I pray that you would use it in our lives to bring conviction and comfort and encouragement wherever we may be, whatever it is that we have dealt with in the past, whatever it is that we're dealing with now. I pray that you would use this time, Lord, to show us just, in fact, how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, Rick, I just want to tell you thank you for all that you do and, and everyone's seen it. He comes and, and prepares a message yeah, each and every week, week after week after week, and we're tired of it too, but it's, uh, it's good to have a, a break from time to time. But we just thank you for your, your, um, you know, your heart to come up here and, and prepare a message. And <coughs> so a passage from a book. As I stood in the funeral home, which was full of people, I could hear them whisper to each other things such as, they don't deserve to go through this. They were such good parents. Why would God do this to them? Where is God in all of this? I remember just feeling empty. My body was physically there, but it felt empty. I knew my world was gone. My heart was hurting so bad that my chest hurt. It was a feeling that I have never felt before. I had grieved a loss before this, but this was different. A part of me was now gone, and I knew I wasn't going to get it back here on earth. My heart felt like a person took it and put it on a block and hit it with a sledgehammer. It was in a million pieces. I knew that I had cried all the tears that a person could possibly cry, but the tears kept rolling down my face. At times, I didn't even know I was crying. I would just feel the tears fall off my cheek. I didn't know why it was happening to us, 
That was a question that I knew then I would probably never get an answer to. A part of me just wanted to take my husband, go to a place where no one else was and no one else knew, and just be with him and cry. There was nothing anyone could do to fix what we were going through. Um, So I'm going to be going through some verses um, that God laid on my heart. And honestly, they're verses that helped us through um, different points in our life and uh, and really uh, are part of uh, this story um, that Monica is reading. And Monica is going to go through uh, the story and just share. So the verses, if you have your Bible, uh, is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 3 through 11. And I, I just want to start with verse 8. We're going to go back to, to verse 3, but um, verse 8 really tailors to the same story that Monica's reading. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And this affliction uh, is also trouble, hardship, heartache, uh, as the NIV says, was, was far beyond their ability to endure. Uh, have you ever ex- experienced a feeling like that in your life? Can you empathize with the parents in the story? Okay, Monica. My husband and I stood next to each other in front of the casket, his arms wrapped around my shoulders. I just cried and couldn't understand why I had to do this, why I had to say goodbye. I pulled this blanket up to his chest as if I was tucking him in at bedtime. I lined the toy rubber duckies and frogs against his arm in his casket. I looked at my two-year-old son's face with tears in my eyes. I kissed his forehead for the last time, and I stepped back into my husband's arms and wept as the casket was being closed. So Rick's sermon series the past few weeks has been extraordinary. And I can tell you personally that the events of this story and what occurred and what happened after was extraordinary. It's it's just an extraordinary story. And I can tell you that because I was the husband whose arms held a grieving mother and Monica was the mother weeping for her child. Um, It was a normal day. I woke up getting ready for work and I went and took shower, got, got dressed, And as I was going to leave, I went and checked on my son who was sleeping. And when I bent down, I felt his body and I looked at him and something didn't look right. And at that point, alarms started going off in my head and I woke Monica up who was sleeping. And we, uh, I I don't remember all the events uh, that took place, but I remember getting him down and we tried to do CPR on him because he wasn't breathing. And I knew um, we had to do something, and so I, I picked him up in, uh, in my arms, and there was an urgent care across the street. And so we, uh, we picked him up in our arms, and I, I picked him up in my arms, and I ran across the uh, parking lot, which is a pretty extravagant event for me anyway, um, and then busted through the door, and uh, there was happened to be a, a nurse there, and he, he grabbed um, uh, my son from my arms and took him into a, a room and, and started working on him. And I just remember standing there looking into the room while they're working on it and just praying. Um, Soon after that, my mom and I had rushed over to the urgent care. Um, We busted in the doors, and I'm pretty sure everybody who was around us at that moment knew why we were there. And um, a nurse had directed me to where Scott was waiting. And um, we were in this small x-ray room, and across the hall from us is where they were working on Kyle. 
um, I could see him laying on the bed, and there was tons of people rushing around in the room and talking about things that I had no idea what they were talking about. And um, we all just stood in the x-ray room and just paced because that's all that we could do. I remember walking around in the x-ray room and just begging God to make everything be okay in those moments. Um, and then a few minutes later, I had heard the doctor say clear, which indicated that they were trying to restart Kyle's heart. In my mind, in that moment, I still thought that I was going to leave that urgent care that day and my son was going to be with me. We were going to take him home, life was going to continue on, and everything was going to be fine. A few minutes later, our nurse had moved us into a private room where we were waiting to hear from the doctor. I figured the doctor was going to come in, say, you know, Kyle had a little situation, all is going to be well, you can go to the main hospital to get further testing, and life would go on. The doctor came in, and he sat down in one of those swivel chairs that we all like to play on as kids, and he sat down right in front of me. He started introducing to me all the people that he was bringing into this room. Now, this was a regular room, so there's exam, table, a chair, and I think a stool. And that was about it. And he started bringing all these people in with him. And there was me, Scott, and my mom and stepdad already. So he starts introducing to me all these people. And I remember getting angry at him because I didn't want all those people to be there. And I didn't care who they were. I just wanted to know where my son was and that he was going to be okay. He sat down and he looked at me and he said, when you brought Kyle in this morning, he wasn't breathing. He said a few other things to me that honestly I can't remember. But the next words that he said to me, I'll always remember. He looked at me in my eyes and he said, I'm sorry, but Kyle passed away. In that moment, my heart broke into a million pieces. I felt like my world came crashing down and came to a complete utter stop. Everything in it went dark and cold. I fell into Scott's arms and we just cried. She could share that uh, pretty easily. It was quite amazing. Um, I... I watch a little movie and start crying, you know. <coughs> so uh, one thing I learned uh, through the years is that God is always there. And sometimes I don't, I don't know where he is exactly, and I can't see him all the time, but I know he's there. Um, there's a poem many of you might have read about footprints in the sand. Um, it's just about where this person is is going through his footprints his life footprints with jesus and uh, happens to see a certain spot where instead of two footprints walking side by side there's only uh, one footprint there and he uh, he asked jesus you know why why was there only one footprint you know why kind of that why did you leave me during those hard times and jesus explained that those footprints that those are my footprints jesus said I carried you through those hard times. And so, you know, that's part of how we get through some of the things that we get through. And just kind of going through verse 3 in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. Our affliction, our, it's our pain, our hardship, our heartache. Uh, when we think we can't endure, when we f uh, feel darkness around us, um, when we don't know where God is, God comforts us. He's the God of all comfort. Do you believe that? Do you live like you believe that? In verse 4, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that... Paul is, is explaining why we go through some of these tough times, why 
God will comfort us. One question I hear uh, often is, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And Paul kind of gives a, a, an answer, one of the answers for that. It's so that, continuing in verse 4, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Sometimes God allows bad things to happen so that he can comfort us, and we are comforted so that we can comfort others going through pain and through heartache. That morning, we were able to have an unlimited amount of time with Kyle to say our goodbyes. When Scott and I were finished, we walked back, acro back across the parking lot to our apartment. The parking lot was a hot, slushy mess. We lived in northern Michigan in a town called Traverse City. It was mid-February. It was gray outside. There was no sunshine. It was freezing. I remember when I got back home, I had to change my pants because they were soaked from the slush. As we were walking across the parking lot, I had turned around, and I had seen that there was an EMT um, lady who was carrying Kyle out from the urgent care, and she was getting ready to transport him over to the main hospital. And I just lost it again. With my face up against Scott's chest and tears rolling down my face, I had asked God to come into my heart that day, and I surrendered my life to him. First, I want to explain that I did not grow up in a Christian home, nor did I spend my summers as a child at a VBS or a Christian youth camp. I did not know who God was until I was 17, and Scott shared Jesus with me. Falling back on my faith wasn't something that was ingrained in me as a child or anything. I just knew that I was too broken to help myself, and no person could fix me. I watched Scott follow Jesus, and I attended church with him, but it didn't become real until that morning, until the morning that Kyle passed away. So after Kyle's funeral, Scott and I tried our best to get on with life without our son, who used to be the center of our universe. Scott threw himself into work, and I slept, and I cried. I slept, and I cried, and I slept, and I cried. <laughs> I was incredibly depressed and preferred sleeping because I didn't feel pain when I slept. My mom, who was absolutely amazing through this whole entire journey, helped me get out of our house as much as possible. She would take me on errand runs or out to lunch. Heck, we even picked up tennis, which for the record, we are not tennis stars. <laughs> we no longer play because we got sick of chasing the ball. For the record, I am a tennis star. Thank you. <laughs> so God comforted me through uh, what could have been a bleak, uh, dark time and gave me new purpose and direction. Um, there's a lot of events and storyline in there, but uh, just kind of get to the point. He, he led me to be a pastor, um, and God has used me to lead others to him as well. Um, one of the most important things to remember is in verse 5 of uh, Corinthians, first Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 5. It's, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Christ's sufferings, really the, the key phrase there. The only reason I can hold my head up today after experiencing everything that we've experienced in our life is because God sent his son to suffer and die on the cross. That's it. Can you imagine how he felt on the cross? You think he died easily? think we take for granted what happened there. Crucifixion was a, a fear tactic for the Romans. It was 
used to display to the enemies of the Roman Empire not to mess with them, not to try and overthrow them, not to challenge them. It was a public torture. I think Jesus screamed until he couldn't scream anymore. Can you imagine when the, what the disciples were going through witnessing this happen? Can you imagine what Mary felt when she had to watch this ha- occur? How could God let something like that happen to his son? How could God let something like that happen to my son? Because he loves us. Even though we fall short of his glory, he loves us. Even though we deny him, he loves us. And even before we existed, he loves us. Verse 6, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which your experience, when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is for you, Hope for you is unshaken, for we know that you share in our sufferings. You will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. The comfort I felt as a child losing my father, the comfort I felt losing my son, and the comfort I feel as our family goes through heartache and pain, was given to share to everyone here today. It was given to share to my friends, to my neighbors, to strangers, and even my enemies. And I will continue to share it all because Jesus died so that I might live for his glory. So we share our story to glorify the maker of the universe. One reason I am here today in my relationship with Jesus Christ, in my relationship with Scott, and not sleeping my life away, is because of a guy named Cameron. Cameron was the pastor of the church that we attended when Kyle passed away. He came over to be with us at the urgent care that day, and when we had to say our goodbyes, Cameron was there with us. Cameron drove two and a half hours in a snowstorm in northern Michigan to lead Kyle's funeral for us. After Kyle's funeral, Cameron and I would meet. Sometimes we would meet weekly, sometimes I would need him daily. Um, we would just cry together, and he would tell me, this just plain sucks, Monica. I'm sorry you have to go through this. He became my person in life. He encouraged me and motivated me to continue to go when I felt like I couldn't. He shared Jesus' love, strength, and compassion with me. He was a key part of my grieving process, and God knew I needed him. About a a year later, my heart was still broken. I thought I could fix it with a new baby, because babies fix everything. Unfortunately... I have fertility issues, and so it wasn't easy for me to get pregnant. So I decided to take matters into my own hands, because that always works out well, and I seen a fertility doctor. The doctor had prescribed me medication that, when in hopes, um, allowed me to become pregnant. I would take the medication for about a month, and then I would have to go and get blood work done. They would call with the results of my blood work, and it was the same story every month. I'm sorry, Monica. Your levels are not high enough to conceive. The doctor wants you to up your medication. So when my medication got upped, my hormones started going crazy. One minute I loved Scott, the next minute I hated Scott. (laughs) 
One minute I was laughing and everything was fine. The next minute I was crying and it was Scott's fault. <laughs> it really is a miracle that Scott is still with me after fertility medication. <laughs> for, for the record, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> after four or five rounds of fertility meds, I reached my max dosage. And my levels only came to a three. And they needed to be at least a nine to conceive. I was filled with heartache as I thought we would never become parents again. Scott, being the patient and calm guy that he is, he just assured me that it would happen in God's timing, which is exactly what I wanted to hear in those moments. Getting pregnant was something that I continued to pray about daily. About a year or so after that, I was attending college to receive my bachelor's degree in biblical studies. I had to meet with the regional leadership of the church, and at the end of the meeting, one of the gentlemen stood up and he said, I normally don't do this, but can we place hands on you and pray over you? They all knew, heck, everyone knew at that time, that our daily prayer was just to become pregnant and just to have another child. So he said, can we place our hands on you and pray that God will open your womb? We said, sure, why not? When they did, I felt baby-like movements in my stomach, and I knew in that moment that we were going to become pregnant. Two weeks later, I took a test, and it was positive. July 16, 2012, we welcomed Katie Nevaeh into the world. She is a very caring, loving, kind child. She's so kind that Scott and I are shocked that she is ours. <laughs> we really are. She really is sweet and kind. <laughs> when Katie was nine months old, <clears throat> my sister was over, and after talking about some symptoms that I had, she had encouraged me to take a pregnancy test. I knew I wasn't pregnant. We didn't become pregnant easily. Well, to my surprise, we did. I took a test, and instantly two pink lines popped up. That night, I gave the test to Scott, and he was so shocked that he asked if it was ours like I would be handing him some random woman's pregnancy test. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> Soon we had our OB appointment, and we were surprised to learn the news that we were not only having one baby, but two. I was literally speechless, what doesn't happen very often. Unfortunately, after we found out that we were having twins, we had learned that neither baby had a heartbeat. Our hearts were crushed. During that time, we kept our eyes and our hearts fixed on Jesus, even though we didn't understand why it had happened. Our lives kept going on. We got busy dealing with a toddler who was full of energy. We focused on the little blessing that we had. Nine months after we lost the twins, surprise, surprise, we found out that we were pregnant again. On August 26, 2014, God blessed us with a beautiful baby girl who had the biggest cheeks that we had ever seen on a baby. She was the hugest baby of our family, no joke. <laughs> Elliot Grace is our beautiful hurricane. She is wild, she is stubborn, she is strong-willed, and she runs through life on her own schedule. Our family would not be the same without our crazy hurricane. And that is a true story. She's crazy. <laughs> life continued on, and God continued to do amazing things through Scott and I. We often hear the common phrase, God only gives you as much as you can handle. When I hear that, I literally want to throat punch the person that says it and say you have no idea. I could barely handle graduating high school, let alone going through the struggles of losing a child. I cannot handle the trials and the tribulations that have gotten thrown at us. However, through the strength and guidance of God, I have been able to push through. One of our nieces, Haley, got diagnosed with stage four cancer at the age of 13. She immediately went into surgeries, chemo treatments, and long hospital stays. She was so sick that my sister Mary had to tell her that if she didn't fight for her life, she would die. Haley was a fighter, and she fought, and she beat cancer. However, Haley's cancer was known to keep coming back over and over and over again in different spots of her body. So Haley had to fight and fight and fight. 
A few years into Haley's cancer battle, her mother, my, Mary, my sister Mary, got sick, and we found out that she needed a new liver. The summer of 2017, I visited Michigan, and I realized how sick my sister was and how much of a struggle it was for her just to live. I knew she wasn't going to make it, but I wasn't ready for her to leave when she did. She got an infection and had to be put on a ventilator in September 2017. After about a week, while our family was surrounded around Mary, Mary exited this world and entered heaven. I was so heartbroken, not only for myself, but for my brother-in-law, for my nieces, for my nephew, who would have to go through this world without a mom. For my mom, for my dad, who had to grieve their daughter. It was definitely a tough time. However, God tells us in John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And that is exactly what he did. This past January, our niece Haley gave up her fight to cancer, and she passed away. So when I am told God doesn't give you more than you can handle, I usually roll my eyes, withhold from throat punching them, and quickly explain that, yes, he does. However, we are made to reach out and grab onto Jesus when trials and tribulations hit us. If you owned a house in North Carolina on the coast and Hurricane Florence was about to hit, I'm guessing you did some preparing to it. You probably boarded up windows, brought in lawn furniture, and prepared for the storm. You did this because a house isn't designed to withhold the types of storms that hurricanes bring us. We are not designed to weather the storms of life that life throws at us without Jesus Christ. So in 2 Corinthians verse 9, we read, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. He will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Life is full of surprises. But it is us that get surprised, not God. He knew what he was doing when our son passed away. He knew what he was doing when he sent his son to suffer and die on the cross. I'm not sure the pain or heartache or affliction um, that you might be going through today. But I know God sees your tears and feels your pain. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28 through 30, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If God is calling you to come him, to him, don't ignore him. He will give you purpose for your life. Thank you so much for allowing us to come and share our story. Um, this is real. Like, life is real. Its problems and its trials are real and whether it's losing a two-year-old, uh, which is, is hard to imagine. You know, it's one thing if uh, someone is sick, if an older person is sick, 
another thing if it's a child. It's one thing if they're sick and you maybe expect it. Another thing if it's completely unexpected and you wake up on that morning as if nothing. I cannot imagine, right? Uh, but whether it's a pain like that or something different, we're all dealing with all kinds of hurt in our past. Lost of a loved one. It, all kinds of trials. Like, this is real. And sometimes I think we, we try to play the ostrich and stick our head in the sand as if no problems. But our lives are chock full of issues and heartache and brokenness. And I, I do think that we walk around putting on a strong, smiley face. But inside, if people really knew what we were dealing with, um, I think we'd just all sit around and hug each other for the most part all the time. Um, Folks, if, if you take anything from this story, it's the fact that Jesus Christ is real. Like, you don't come out of a situation like that better than before, if not for the power and the love of God in your life. Uh, the reason I wanted them to share this, like, early on, you guys started coming to church, and, and they're like, come on over for dinner. You guys came over, and uh, they're in the lady study, in the men's study, and uh, one thing that Monica said when she shared the story with me and Jamie, she literally said that night, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And, like, I can't quite shake that, you know, for, for a parent, a mom, the l unexpected loss of my two-year-old is the best thing that ever happened to me. And, I mean, you amen that to this, even now. Like, it's like, how do you, how do you account for that? And the only way you can account for it is for God's healing mercy and grace in that he used that to bring you into a relationship with God. And Kyle is in heaven, right? So you'll get to hang out with the little dude, right? Like, and here's the thing about Christianity. Why I'm saying, like, Christianity is real. This faith stuff is real. This, this Bible stuff is real. Jesus is real. Uh, hope is real. Like, there's nothing worse than no hope. Uh, God, I remember on one of our trips to Haiti, we, we met with one lady sitting under a tree in the middle of like, this arid area, and she sat there like no smile, no joy, and we're trying to speak to her through the translator, and she literally like, I have nothing. Like it was like she was sitting on a tree just waiting to die. Whether it would happen that day or 30 years from now, she didn't know. And to f see someone with that, that devoid of hope it is, it is the saddest thing. And then for God to take that and to inject hope into you and to use you to share that story. And you have written a book. So she was reading an excerpt from her, excerpt from her own book uh, a little while ago. So it says in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God more than that we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame there is nothing better than hope and hope is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. So that's why we get come here on a Sunday morning and sing and 
listen to people speak and, and listen to a sermon. This is why we crack open our Bible during the week. This is why we get together in our small groups during the week and try to build relationships with another because we need hope. And God, God, God wants to bring it into our life. He uses all this to us. Um, like I was saying earlier, like there is all this tragedy around us. And that's inescapable, right? Like in this world, tragedy is inescapable. It's coming one way or the other. And we can, we can respond two ways to tragedy. Either we can draw near to the Lord or we can run away from him. And he hasn't promised perfection, at least not yet. That day is coming. But right now in this age, tragedy is real. And whenever bad things happen, Will we be the people that draw near to him, or will we be people that run, run away from him? And like I even heard this week, um, grace is just as much in our sufferings as in the victories. That we tend to think of God just showing up in the good stuff, when God is just as much, and to a degree maybe more so, in the bad stuff. I, I, I do want to ask this question. We have a little bit of time. Like, could you describe or explain, I guess, God's presence with you early on, especially, like, the, the sense of God's presence? Like, you, you quote, you were referencing the, the poem, right, which is like, you know, I was carrying you. Like, could you describe that experience with the Lord? One thing that <clears throat> Monica remembers a lot better than I do, um, specific details, um, but I just remember feeling, even at the funeral, um, fairly comforted and she told me a story about Cameron um, and what Cameron or what I said to Cameron or something like that. Oh yes. So um, yes um, at the funeral um, it is true I remember just being present at that funeral home. It was a funeral home that I had grown up in. Um, all my grandparents had passed away and had their funerals there and so it was a very comfortable place for me and I remember just kind of floating through there and I would often just hear people say um, how can they be going through this? And where is God in all of this? And the thing was is that God was right there with Scott and I the whole entire time. He was holding on to us. He was weeping with us. His heart broke with us as our heart broke. And it was just this feeling that we had felt. It was almost like this peace feeling that came upon us that just was like everything was going to be okay. Like it was hard to describe, but deep down we knew that everything was going to be okay. We didn't know how it was going to be okay, and we didn't know when it was going to be okay, but we just felt that it was going to be okay. And so Cameron had came to Alpena, Michigan, where we had had Kyle's uh, funeral. And he was standing there, and he was kind of going over his notes and preparing for um, the funeral, and it was going to start in a few minutes. And we were just standing there, and Scott had looked over at him. And Cameron's a very emotional guy. He's um, a very big part of my life today. And whenever we share the story together, he always breaks down and cries every single time. And Scott was standing there, the dad who had just lost a child, and he looks over at Cameron, and he said, Cam, do you need a hug? Are you going to be okay through this? <laughs> and that was God's peace just pouring over us. And like I said before, we didn't know how it was going to be okay, but we just had this feeling that we were going to get through it and that it was going to be okay. Yeah. And so I've, I've experienced, not in that dramatic a fashion, but something similar where you say, well, I know it's going to be okay, but it's not wishful thinking. It's something else. Like, it's, it's supernatural and it's profound. It's this deep God speaking into your heart in such a way that 
this doesn't make sense. I should be a crumpled up mess in a fetal position in a corner forever. And to then have this peace or this calming sense come in you and keep you upright. It's, it's a profound thing. Uh, it says in Philippians chapter 4, you know, that we take all things to God through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Thank, man, I came out country then. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeehaw. Thanksgiving. And after the verse after that says, And the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A promise that there is hope in the worst of it, that we, if we cry out to the Lord, his presence comes. And that's the thing about God's presence and God's spirit and his nearness. It's like a breath of air. It is calming. It grounds us. It, it, we can stand straight. Um, and so... If you're a follower of Jesus, you know, I, I imagine that maybe you've experienced something like that in the past. That, that's something that can only be explained as of the Lord right there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think hearing something like this, knowing that you're not alone in going through the things that you have gone through or are going through, others have gone through as well, and that praise God that not only he comforted you, but now you're sharing the story with others to bring comfort to others, which means that there's purpose in our sufferings. Just know that, that whenever something bad happens, whenever you go through uh, a situation with your family or health-wise, it's not purposeless. Like, nothing is wasted in God's hands. He uses it. He redeems it. I, he, he, it's not like he makes lemonade out of lemons. It's better than that, right? Like, it's, he changes it and transforms it into something incredibly better. Um, so, thank you guys. Appreciate it so much. Let you get off the stage. That way you can stand here any longer. Um, we never get out early. Today we are. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Brent's preaching next week, so he'll make up the difference. <laughs> God is real. Everybody needs to say it. I was expecting an amen, but that'll work. That's the same thing, right? Jesus is real. The power of God is real. The peace of God is real. And it's all because of what happened 2,000 years ago. That's why... Like, God loves us so much. He comes down and he takes it all upon his shoulders. Our burden, our grief, our sorrow, he took it all. He says, I want to own it so that you don't have to. That's the cross. And then he dies. And because he's God, the death couldn't hold him. So on the third day, he stood up and he walked out of that tomb. He says, all the life that you need, I've got it for you. Eternal life, abundant life extraordinary life i have it for you and so anyone who just who wants that it's for you you just reach out with your heart to the lord and grab hold of what it is that he freely offers it's just faith just humble yourself that song we sang a while ago you surrender you yield yourself to the lord and give your life to him it's so much better than the alternative hope is better than no hope peace is better than no peace 
purpose is better than no purpose. And all of it is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we confess our sin and we repent of our sin and we give our lives to him. And then we begin that new life where we, Jesus, show me how to follow you. And we follow him. And then along the way, there's these special blessings. Incredible blessings that we happen. I didn't ask for permission, but I'm just going to say it. So there's a Miss Bonnie back there. She doesn't know I'm saying this. Now she's smiling. What's he going to say? Two months ago, she came and asked for prayer. Pain, all kinds of back issues. She's on pain meds. Prayed for her. That was one of those moments when I was praying, I knew something had happened. I, I basically felt it. And I asked her earlier, is it any pain? Nope, it's all gone. Any pain meds? No, ever since that prayer time. This is real. This is real. We don't need to shout or yell or anything. Just let that soothe you and calm your spirit. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. They're going to lead us in the final song. And I want to just go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes where we are. And just you just pray to the Lord. Whatever it is you need to pray about. What do you need to confess to him? What do you need to repent of? What is it that you're worried about? What is it that you're not receiving hope and peace for? Just bring that to him and lay the burden, the trouble, the problem at the cross. And listen to those words where he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you're here today and you've never embraced a relationship with Christ and giving your life to him, would you do that? That's where purpose and peace begin. That's where hope comes. Yield your life to the Lord Almighty. Or maybe you're here and you're carrying the weight of something in your past and the pain has been great and you needing to receive the comfort of God. Would you just open your heart to the Lord and let his peace guard your heart now? Maybe you've gone through something in the past and God is saying, I want you now to comfort others with that which you've been comforted with. And so he's bringing someone to mind that needs your shoulder and needs your story and your testimony and for you to strengthen them. Who is that person? Or maybe you're here and you just need to praise God that he has brought hope to you and peace. But you know that there might be a storm coming, so you need to get ready and stand on the rock and say, Lord, prepare me for whatever is next. Lord, Father, you are the God of all comforts, the God of new mercies and of love, of power and of wisdom, of kindness and patience. And in your hands, nothing is wasted. God, if we would just give our lives to you, Lord, you can turn it and redeem it. We praise you. It's like only, only you can do that. Only you can redeem all of our situations and circumstances. God, thank you for hope. Hope does not put us to shame and it does not disappoint. Thank you for the peace that transcends understanding. And the Lord, that you give it just lovingly as a free gift 
simply by faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you made it easy for us. And that while it is free to us, it was not free to you. It came at a great cost. The sacrifice of your son upon that cross to bear our sin and our shame. So, Lord, I pray that all of us would run into your arms now. Whether for the first time or the ten thousandth time. That we would run to you, Lord, in the good and in the bad. Help us to know, Lord, that whatever happens, that it would always, always be well with our soul because you're the God of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.